We'd Like a Word. Welcome to part three of this episode of We'd Like a Word with me, Paul Waters. And me, Stephen Colgan. And we're here with Amish, author of War of Lanka. This interview is a trilogy. It's in three parts. This interview indeed is a trilogy. I'm interested in two parts, though. When you write, are you... Are you using your calculating side of your brain or the emotional side of your brain? What's going on in your head when you write? I can tell you perhaps that the research process for the books is the calculating, if you want to call it the left brain side, right? So I read a lot. I read at least five, six books per month. I travel. I love traveling. And I like to engage with locals when I travel, learn a bit of the local language, eat a bit of the local food. Within limits, of course. What have you refused? Bats. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, that seems a wise decision. <laughs> wise decision. In, in the light of the last few years, yes, I would say definitely. Okay, well, well done. Thank you. We can't blame you. <laughs> Every person that I meet, I, I genuinely believe right, good writers should be like sponges. They should keep absorbing. Whoever they meet has something to teach them. You know, listen, observe. Every person you meet will have some tick which will remain at the back of your mind and that can emerge in a character which makes that character real. So all this part is left brain. But how all of this emerges into a story, I genuinely have no idea. It's just instinct. Kind of bizarre. I open the laptop and I can actually see this world. It's like a parallel universe. And I record what I see. I can see the characters. I can hear their voices. That's why I love writing so much because it's like something spiritual, right? I'm, there's this parallel universe which only I get to enter and see. No one else can see it. I've written some 10 books in 12 years. That It really is a lot. It's because I genuinely just love spending time in that parallel universe. You've talked about channeling the goddess in your writing. Tell us a bit about that and what you mean. So, uh, in the traditional Indian way, it is believed that uh, creativity comes from the goddess. And uh, the god I worship is Lord Shiva. And uh, his wife, her name is, you know, sometimes, and it's called Goddess Parvati, but she is also at times called Goddess Shakti. Shakti literally translates as power. And uh, she's the guardian of emotions and apparently in the right brain. And creativity, it is believed, and in fact, I, I believe it was true of most of the ancient pagan cultures, even the Greeks believed it, that uh, the muses were kind of goddesses who existed outside of you. And your job as an artist was to help the goddess to help you. It's arrogant of you as an artist to think, uh, you know, I am the genius. I am creating this. That's unwise. Uh, what you need to do is research as much as you can, put all that material in, if you have to write a book, then be in front of the laptop because if you're outside partying, watching a movie, how will the goddess help you? But when you start writing, then it's up to the goddess. Sometimes it flows, sometimes it doesn't. Your job is to help the inspiration, the goddess to help you. It's one of the beliefs in the ancient Indian way. Look, what's the truth? We'll discover only when we die. Okay. But if this is something that helps me f- flow, and you'll notice that most artists really cannot explain where it comes from. Music composers, if you ask them. I have, I have friends who are music composers. Like, where did this that idea for that tune come from? They can tell you where it happened, what were they doing, but they can't explain how it, it just comes, right? It's the same way with me. I, I have no idea how I see that world. It just comes, right? I just know what all I have to do 
to open that key. I have to eat cream biscuits. I have to listen to music. Yeah. <laughs> I like the idea of the cream biscuits idea. You know, some of my, some, you know, many of my readers know this. So at at Litface in India, I have readers coming with cream biscuits. Take this and write quicker. Any particular brand? Or? Oh, no. oh no, we can't do that, can we? We can't do advertising. <laughs> Not unless they're willing to sponsor us. <laughs> We were hoping Jammy Dodgers would sponsor us for a while, but yeah. nah, we didn't hear anything, so we don't have, eat them anymore. No, I know, I know. But it's quite interesting what you're saying, because there's an awful lot of actors and people like that, when they get up to accept their award, how many of them will thank God for, you know, sort of for helping them to do what they do? And, and certainly in the oldest pre-Christian religions of these islands, mm. the British islands, a lot of inspiration, particularly artistic inspiration, is meant to come from... Again, you know, the, the various gods and the spirits of the world around you. So it's, it's, a, it's a fairly universal belief, I think. And, and Steve, I'm not saying it has to be a god or a goddess. You know, many of the schools of philosophy in the ancient way were actually atheists. You know, yeah. Five of the 13 schools were, there are 12 or 13, uh, depending on how you count them. Are, uh, five of them are actually atheists. So for an atheist person, it could say maybe it's the universe blessing me. The, the entire point is realizing that it is, it's not you. You shouldn't have that arrogance, that... I am this genius and I am creating it. You have to realize it's something greater outside of you. And you have to help that greater force to help you. I was looking at your reviews, which are, you've got loads of them, and they're overwhelmingly positive. But, you know, because I'm awkward and annoying, I found some negative ones. One theme was that people feel possessiveness over these stories. And... I mean, most people think, great, it's an imaginative reinterpretation and they enjoy reading it. But there are a few people feel possessive and don't like anyone messing with them. Well, how do you respond to that sort of criticism? Somebody saying, oh, you're deviating from the one true version, that sort of thing. No, I've had these uh, discussions. You're right, actually, there are very few. And there are litfest engagements where I've spoken uh, to such people. But one of the things I like about India is you can have this discussion... In a respectful manner. You know, someone else has a different point of view. I have a different point of view. I quote the texts from which I have drawn this inspiration. And that's a thing uh, with the dharmic religions, Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism, the more ancient ones. Actually, there are so many texts that depends on which text you refer to. So, for example, seeing goddess Sita as a warrior may appear very new to a particular person in India. But if you read the original, uh, if you read the ancient Adbhut Ramayan, which is at the least 3,000, 3,500 years old, right? In that, Goddess Sita is a warrior. But many modern Indians haven't read this version. So, you know, I say, okay, there's this ancient version which I drew inspiration from. and I don't know if it's the truth. I'm just doing a respectful interpretation of that. So, you'll find that while there may be people who have this view, there's been no controversies around my book. I've been in this, uh, in this gig for like 12 years now. Uh, How have you managed to sell so many books without controversy? There is no need, I'm telling you. Because in India, at least, I've come to realize that if you write, even if you're writing a different interpretation, if you write it with respect, people accept it. Because we actually have many different interpretations of the same story. Just on the Rama in the Ram Chandra series, the most popular version is uh, that Lord Ram uh, killed uh, the demon Ravan. But there's the Anadbhut Rama in, in which Goddess Sita killed Ravan. There is another the Jain version of the Ramayana in which Lord Ram's younger brother killed Ravan. There are different versions. And this has been a tradition in India 
that you have various different uh, interpretations if you do it respectfully there's no need for any controversy it has never happened what does happen sadly in india i don't know about the west is often artists themselves create controversy because it's a very cost effective way to get marketing sadly it does happen i don't know if it happens in the west but oh, it's, yes. yeah it's okay. it's a very cost effective way to do it right and it doesn't take it takes a lot more hard work to sell without controversy i'm very conscious i'll never do controversy so i work very hard you know on the promotion as well but i mean you can see my sales you don't really need controversy to sell you can sell the right way as well speak for yourself it is, it, <laughs> i might like a bit of controversy it is hard though because because people become quite possessive about things i mean i'm i'm working on a book at the moment it's a non-fiction book but i'm working on a book and part of the book a very small part of the book talks about the legend of robin hood mm. who's you know a very well-known british yeah. folk hero yeah. who robs from, the rich. from the rich yeah robs the rich gives the poor and and i'm really struggling writing this bit at the moment because i want don't want to sort of burst anyone's bubble and spoil things but but the reality is he probably didn't exist mm. and it's probably a whole amalgamation of different sources that have come together that have actually created this this iconic character but i'm i'm very conscious and I, i'm when I, I spoke to a few people who are experts on the subject particularly around sort of nottingham which mm. is where the, a lot of the legend is focused these days yeah. and they're very possessive about it and they became very cagey when they thought that i was going to turn around and say he didn't exist <laughs> they they get and i said look i'm not doing that i'm saying this is how the story has become what it is now yeah. it's possibly did exist there just yeah. isn't any evidence for it but i mean it's 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 really difficult because particularly if it gives people a sense of who they are and a sense of place and a place of self and identity they get very possessive about it and they really don't like you playing with it you you hit the nail right on the head if these stories give people a sense of identity mm. and if you attack that rudely aggressively then yes people will get defensive but if you put a different interpretation respectfully at least in india i found people are willing to uh, to listen to a different point of view because they might find a different reason to love that same story a lot of it is uh, you know is a the culture of a place but it's also how you present that story i think my story is a you know good fast read you can really enjoy i hope you've liked it uh, well the, i was almost late arriving here because i was sitting in the park in hyde park reading it Thank it, you. i'm phoning him up saying where do we meet where do we meet he's so engrossed in your book he's ignored his phone i'm afraid <laughs> i was i'm standing outside uh, the nehru center for 20 minutes he's engrossed in your book <laughs> yes you. so you see it wasn't my fault it wasn't my <laughs> fault it was your fault i mean <laughs> thank you but yeah. you'll still notice i've still written it respectfully if you write a different interpretation but people th- those reading it don't feel that you are insulting their beliefs they're willing to listen to a different point of view and that's yeah. the way i've seen well, that's that's, that's very yeah. encouraging cuz i've written something it's kind of an irish indian crossover set in contemporary india mm-hmm. and the two main characters one of them is indian one of them is irish an irish nun in fact yeah. and i'm very conscious that i'm setting something in another country and i have links and that and it's mm-hmm. half irish but I'm trying to do it with great respect and avoid even I was joking earlier but avoid controversy and mm. a kind of a hostile reaction what do you think my chances are no i think it it completely depends on how you put it across because you know many don't know this that there were actually links between uh, the irish and the indians we used to help each other in our independence struggle so it depends on what issue you bring up look you can bring up issues from a perspective of trying to find some common ground you can bring up issues from a perspective of you know get people to fight each other the same thing can be put negatively the same thing can be put positively i know it sounds diabetic 
but you don't actually have to make it boring to have a positive uh, result from the book or from your anything that you write look i genuinely believe that storytellers have been given among the greatest privileges because you can't learn it it just comes and what a storyteller gets from his or her readers is so precious not in their money that's not really precious it's in their attention they are willing to give you two or three days of their life and devote themselves to your book if your entire attempt in that book is to cause chaos within that person's life is to uh, you know just dissensions within their society within that family and it's i know it sounds stupid but i believe that's bad karma but if you can use that same attention for something positive you don't have to make it boring you can make it fun but get them to think something which actually binds the community together which binds the family together you'll find that actually instinctively people go towards positivity i think if you if you can show them that i know it sounds slightly diabetic i genuinely believe it i want to ask you what you're doing next because the final words in war of lanka yeah it's uh, well there's some maps actually there's a nice map at the back which is yeah. good but yes to be continued yeah. so what are you writing so like i said the first series which was released over 2010 11 and 13 uh, shiva trilogy immortals of melua secret of the nagas oath of the vaiputras that was set in 1900 bce the ramchandra series my interpretation of the ramayana four books have been released till now like i said it was a 1500 year prequel to the events of the shiva trilogy and the fifth book of the ramchandra series will actually connect the ramchandra series to the shiva trilogy and that's the that's the one which will bind all these series together and the title is the rise of meluha this is a bit like star wars of they have sense. not been written in the right order <laughs> <laughs> so we so no jump jumping so it's fine yeah, yeah. <laughs> episode 4 5 6 and then 1 2 3 yeah it's like that <laughs> and what after that what will come after you've done this book to unify them all So I've uh, book to unify them all. Oh man, that sounds nice one like. Book to, <laughs> to unify yeah. them all. No, no use the ring to rule them all. I actually have a story idea set in modern London. I've got an inspiration here. It's got elements of gaming and time travel because my books don't have fantasy elements. They they've all written been written with a plausible uh, thing. and uh, my uh, son 14 he's 14 years old neil he reads a lot and uh, i am not his favorite author he keeps telling me you're a close number 2 dad but you're not number 1 because i don't have fantasy elements in there i don't have dragons and who is number 1 uh, when i beat that guy i will yeah. so but dragons etc you can guess uh, so this new series is going to have fantasy it's going to have time travel it's going to have gaming i want to be my son's favorite author The catch with that is he will be growing older yeah. during this period. And he might say, "Hey, teenage son, I've got the perfect series for you." I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I'm not into that anymore." Damn. Yeah, true. <laughs> you just destroyed my entire plan. <laughs> And on that note, <laughs> well, it seems like a nice positive point to wrap up on, doesn't it? Because it's all been very good. We can all we can all get along together lovely if we're respectful. And it's the great plan in life is to be the person that your child looks up to as the best author. I quite like that as a positive note to end on, don't you? Hmm. I wonder are mine tactful enough? 
to give me the answer I want to hear. <laughs> I'm scared to ask now. Mine won't. <laughs> mine, mine, I've always taught my kids to tell the truth and they do, annoying me. <laughs> oh, well, I won't. Uh, okay, fine. Well, on that note, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Amish. And I've been very much enjoying War of Lanka and it's been making me late. So that's a very good read. Lots to learn about Indian history and geography, geology, and all sorts of things as well. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Pleasure being here. And we'll see you next time on We'd Like a Word with me, Paul Waters. And me, Stephen Colgan, although I suspect the tea won't be as nice next time. No, the tea <laughs> would definitely not be as nice because we'll be supplying it. That's right, yeah. <laughs> say good tea here. Good tea. Good tea. So thank you to the Nehru Centre for the good tea. And goodbye. Goodbye.